0: welcome to let's talk about self-esteem i'm your host marion davis president of self-esteem boston today we're going to talk about integrity the sixth element of self-esteem and it's a big one because we were just talking about it and we said not a lot of people talk about this i'd like to introduce my two co-hosts Amihan amyhan oh, and Betty Doherty. Welcome welcome again to the, sh- to the show. Amihan Jennifer Matias is a trained self-esteem educator and founder of Kapwa Racial Equity and Transformation. Betty Doherty is a self-esteem educator, recovery coach, and chair of Self-Esteem Boston's Board of Directors. Now, I would like to introduce you guys to our special guest, Dr. Inga Hansen. Welcome to the show, Inga.
1: Thank you, it's good to be here.
0: Let me read a little little bit about, Dr. Hansen is a clinical psychologist and certified integral coach who works with clients in their private practice to help them flourish as the fullest and most authentic version of themselves. She is a popular speaker and consultant on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I would say belonging is the word, Yep. Yeah? Dr. Hansen co-authored the book, The Ethical Cello, which addresses the ways in which we all face situations that test our values and ideals. And um, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So um, right off the bat, though, you know, I got these got these notes that talk about integrity, and um, so I, I just think we should just talk about what integrity really is, and um, you know, aside from the fact that we live, I like this one though, this moral sewer pit. <laughs> uh, I think that it doesn't really because I think when we think about the six elements. The ones that get the most attention are things like um, self self um, acceptance and, and and things like that. So when you get to uh, integrity, is a whole other thing that happens when you hear that word. So maybe you could tell us what integrity is and what how you use that in your practice.
1: To me, integrity is acting in line with your values, and so if you're ideals and your values, your ethics, and then your actual choices and behavior feel aligned to you and feel aligned um, the way that you would define them and experience them, then I believe you're acting in integrity. And so in a way, it's really simple. And then, you know, of course, in life, that ends up being far more complex.
0: Yeah. So why should anyone, why should anyone care about having integrity? After all, you know, you're sorry, there's some visitor here, um, after all, in society, you know, the leaders and uh, political people have, all have shown a whole different message about integrity. So, why should we care about it? About integrity?
1: <coughs> I actually feel like the lack of integrity that we see around us is maybe all the more reason to act with integrity ourselves you know if we're concerned with the direction the world is heading then the worst things we can do is maybe just throw our hands up and, and give up right like instead maybe focusing on small acts of integrity that can make a difference to ourselves to people around us uh, so dr
2: inga um i wanted to ask you a question about What do you think internally motivates and compels people to live in integrity and to want to have integrity? What is the the internal motivation? That's a
1: great and and kind of difficult question to me. I feel like connecting this back with this whole theme around self-esteem, right? That I feel like most of us feel best about ourselves when our ethics and our actions are aligned. Like we want to see our choices and our behaviors and say like, Ah yes, like that's a reflection of me. That's a reflection. That's an external manifestation of my beliefs and values. There's something that builds confidence and esteem when it feels that way, and can feel really internally difficult when it doesn't. Um, And then for me personally, um, I want to set an example for my son. You know, I'm a single mom, and it's up to me to model for him the values and ethics that I hope he adopts in life, and so i'm also thinking that we probably all have some other reason like that too that there's someone who's watching someone who's witnessing somebody whose lives we might also impact um through these choices and through acting and integrity
3: great thank you wow wonderful hi doctor nice to see you nice to meet you oh god you're um you're very inspiring to me already especially talking about integrity and talking about integrity is living your values you know and it makes me think that like sometimes we know the right thing but doing the next right thing doesn't feel good you Mm -hmm. know but we do it because we want to have integrity so you wrote a book um with lily called the ethical sellout maintaining there it is maintaining (laughs) your integrity (laughs) in the age of compromise and maintaining your integrity is an essential part of having Healthy self-esteem. So yeah. how how does the
1: act of selling out affect one's self-esteem? Thank you for that question. Um, it feels like just what we were talking about, right? Like selling out is it's no joke, right? I feel like it has the potential to destroy our self-esteem and make us feel absolutely terrible about ourselves. But what Lily and I found when we were doing the research for this book is that kind of like you were saying all of us are faced with situations that compel us to choose between different values like and there might be multiple values that all are really important to us and then we have to choose between them so we all find ourselves sometimes making compromises and and that's the hard part right um because when you do that you can feel like you've compromised your integrity you can feel like a traitor and While we're not all traitors toward others, I think, at least not a way that's necessarily dangerous or harmful, we can all at times feel like traitors to ourselves, and that can sometimes even be the worst, you know, a traitor to your own beliefs, values, identities. And there's an important part here, though, that I want to name, which is that, and that we talk about in the book, which is that um, part of why this happens is because our society values some types of bodies, identities, experiences over others. And so there are some of us who may be more likely find ourselves in situations where we're faced with these choices. So just a couple examples is um, that we talk about is Tanisha who believed her black sounding name was holding her back career wise. And so she started to wonder if changing her name might give her a different experience with if getting ahead or Julia, somebody also that I know personally who, you know, she was kind of like this proud disability rights activist and said she would never change a thing about her disability until then a treatment becomes available that could actually change the course of her disability. And she started to wonder, you know, should I do it? Um, And so to me, like when I hear those stories, I hear people who are wondering if they're sellouts or traders Um, if they make the choices that feel right to them. And I can't say if they are or not, but what I wanna say is that they're not alone and that you can feel it's a different experience making these decisions, um, recognizing that those of us who are queer, trans, BIPOC, disabled, low income, et cetera, have to deal with these dilemmas more often, having to choose between our values, communities, and our identities. And how we can protect our self-esteem in those situations is how we approach those difficult choices, knowing we're not alone and just knowing that sometimes compromise is inevitable.
3: Do you have extreme esteem? How do you measure success?
1: I choose to be conscious about not
3: using drugs and alcohol. I feel my life with purpose by helping others. I'm here to
1: live up to my own expectations.
3: I live by values I respect. I am responsible for my own
1: happiness.
3: I love and accept myself exactly as I am. If you want to learn more on how to achieve extreme esteem and personal success, selfesteemboston.com.
1: I live by values I respect. So, you know, I worked at Stanford for 14 years. I just recently left. And Lily was a student at Stanford. And we got to know each other through doing activism work and things like that. And what was standing out to both of us was hearing from people who were feeling terrible for choices they were making, feeling like they were selling out or feeling like they were bad people. And and we were kind of wondering, you know, I wonder if there's a shame here that's thriving in secrecy, you know, and I wonder how many more people have these stories if we do and they do and so on. So we just started talking to more people in our communities and we kind of put the word out. And what was amazing was just stories that were flooding in. we, We did not have to work hard to gather stories from people. And my own friends, my own community, people were like, oh, I have a story too, actually, you know? And, and then a couple places we pulled things from the news and, and, you know, um, public figures and things like that, because we felt like it was important to broaden this to kind of like this, this sense of everyone is faced with situations like this. Everyone deals with it. One of the things that I think really inter- interested us specifically was when this has something to do with identity and um, and especially marginalized identities. So another example was um, a friend of mine who, um, She's, she's been big her whole life. And like since she was a little girl, I think that the, you know, pushback from her family around, you need to diet, you need to lose weight, you need to lose 20 pounds. You'd be so much prettier. People would like you and so on. And how hard it was for her to kind of finally get to a place and yet how affirming where she wasn't trying to change herself, where she was accepting that she's fat, she's a big girl, person of size, you know, and throughout college, you know, that came together with, you know, discovering herself as somebody who actually is a sexual person who can be in relationships, who can be loved just as who she is. Um and just at that point of real acceptance then starting to um get some bad medical news around the impact of her weight and and then grappling with, you know, Wow, getting getting like a gastric bypass, does, it, does that mean that I'm now abandoning everything that I've said up to this point around acceptance and love and so on? Um, if I've learned to love this body, what does it mean to let it go? And what does it mean for this community that I've built of others who affirm me for who I am? Like what, um, what different world do I have? Will I enter and, and will I actually be accepted in the same way? Um, having a completely different body that's suddenly so much more societally acceptable. So it's these dilemmas where, you know, you you don't always... Know um, what the right answer is, and what we were hoping for from the book was that people would read these stories, and number one, like I was saying, feel less alone. but number two, um, notice that tendency to judge, you know the impulse to be like, "Well, I know what I would do, or I know kind of the best outcome here, um, but just to suspend that for a moment and actually feel into what it's like to be in that set, that sense of being pulled in multiple directions. Mm. Oh.
2: Jen? Yeah. I just I just wanted to say uh Dr. Inga that I am so grateful that you brought up the whole um the whole issue of uh marginalization and the in the context of that when it comes to making some hard choices um and I love the fact that you really are helping people to see that when given difficult choices, sometimes those compromises or adjustments are actually okay and that mm-hmm. we don't need to judge ourselves so harshly because we were put in situations and they're external situations, right? Because if we're living in a world that is uh, pushing us into this situation because we're not being uh, fully seen or valued or we're not having access to resources yes. or opportunities and, and and we're actually trying to level the playing field a bit. You know, I'm also speaking as um someone who's BIPOC. So this is sort of my lived experience. So it's just yes. really, really great that you are talking about the actual multi-layered complexity of these issues. Um, you know, I I went to a workshop where there was a, uh, it was sort of a game to really uh, help you to see the kinds of choices that people who are living in poverty have to make. Because Mm. if if you're somebody who's more middle-class, you're not confronted with this. But I remember having to make the choice, okay, are you going to buy food for your kids? You know, uh, or are you going to, uh, you know, you have to shift, maybe not make a payment, right? For your utilities Mm. in order to, and, and then, and then you might be feeling bad because you're you're not able to do that or you're choosing not to do that. So I just want to say thank you for um bringing that that to our attention. Um and then the 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 other question for I I have for you is is can you tell us a little bit about what the uh what the internal dynamic psychological process is by which we might make these moral and ethical decisions? So what mm-hmm. is it that goes through people's heads when they're trying to decide you know, should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? I just would love to hear more about that.
1: Absolutely. And I also just want to acknowledge what you were talking about in terms of class, right? And just how that really impacts what kind of options we have and the choices we're faced with. It was a bunch of years ago that somebody said to me that middle class values are a luxury. And I just, it struck me because I had just never held it that way. Um, and sometimes um We're not aware of the additional options we have that's based on privilege. Um, But in terms of the process of making these decisions, That was fascinating for me too, in researching this book, because we like to think of it as a logical and clear process, right? And like this idea of like, you just follow your moral compass, right? And then, but it's way more complicated than that. I think of it, and Lily and I talk about it more as a moral smoke detector than a compass, you know, like suddenly there's like this signal blaring, letting you know that something's wrong, but it's a very imprecise signal, right? Like what what just happened like what's actually wrong is it a house fire or just some burnt toast you know and then all of us just like we can have malfunctioning smoke detectors a lot of us can have a really overactive conscience you know kind of our guilt shame system that can be sometimes telling us we did something wrong when we actually are fine it's just that we're um we've internalized maybe some guilt or shame And so I feel like we learn to make these choices through what other people have modeled, you know, we see in our families and communities through trial and error, through those moral smoke detectors. Um, And then eventually through a process of self-reflection where we try to discern whether a decision is aligned with our values. And so that's also one of the things that we talk about in the book is is trying to create a framework to help people make those decisions in a way that feels aligned, that feels like we're holding our integrity throughout the process, even if we're making a decision that doesn't feel good because of the choices we're faced with. Wow. Wow. Um, Yeah, so
0: what what
1: does
0: it, firstly, I think I was, I was why 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 did you how did you get involved in doing this really I mean why did you want to do this why did you want to tell people about this or it should be
1: keep it quiet right <laughs> <laughs> well it felt all the more reason to do the opposite of keeping it quiet once we were hearing these stories because it felt like the more that people felt like they were alone and that they were the only one who had done something that they feel like was selling out or was compromising their integrity some way, the worse people feel about it and the more that they feel shame and the more that they feel bad about themselves. And so, and there's some research that supports that, right? That we kind of, um, we tend to um, project on others kind of like, there's an expression that we tend to compare um, our insides with other people's outsides, you know? And so we're aware of all the inner turmoil and judgment and shakiness and shame and whatever that we have each day. But then everybody else seems to be just kind of like cruising through life and, you know, with like great Instagram posts and whatever. And so I feel like the more we can bust that open and really challenge that, and then the more we can normalize it and start a conversation around it. And the more we can have a conversation around it, the more, integrity, I feel like we're actually likely to live with. We're not treating it like perfectionism or purity. It's not some high value that is out there that we're all supposed to reach, but nobody actually can. It's more this process of being honest with ourselves and accountable with ourselves and even compassionate with ourselves as we make these really difficult choices.
3: Self-Esteem's Boston new online training centers are for everyone. Learn to use self-esteem skills in your work and in your own life. Learn self-esteem, goal setting, stress management, job readiness, wellness, and more. Online self-directed courses in English and in Spanish. This program will help you
2: to grow and thrive. When you truly believe in yourself, the possibilities for your
3: life are endless. To learn more, www.selfesteemboston.com. Yeah, so we know, we all know our involvement with people in situations can be complex and messy, you know, and, and we also <laughs> know that sometimes it's hard to know what the right thing to do is at a given moment. It could seem challenging to some of us. So how do you keep others, how do you help others understand the true value of living in integrity?
0: Hmm.
1: It really is messy, right? And I feel like how messy it is is exactly the point. So, you know, kind of like, let's get away from the idea that there's some clear right and wrong. I might have to choose between a value and one of my identities or between my family and my community. And we just, I feel like we make better choices when we recognize how difficult these choices are and when we forgive ourselves for making mistakes. Um, you know, that's where growth happens. That's that's where the journey begins, right? Is when you've made a choice and you're kind of feeling unsettled around it and then you can look back and say, okay, like, um, here's an opportunity to be honest with myself about my reasons behind making that choice, compassionate with myself and others around the impact of it um, and see where growth needs to happen. Would I make a different choice in the future? Um, you know, what, what have I learned from this process? Which isn't always I would do something different, but it might be. Maybe it's just like, oh, there's a side of myself that I hadn't acknowledged before, and now I know that that exists. And so I feel to me like that's, that's maybe the biggest part that I want to communicate, is that we're more likely to live in integrity when we see it as within reach, not some ideal of perfection that only a few can ever achieve. you, think, you know, oh, I love how you
3: describe that. I think that some—that's it right there. Some people don't think they're capable of it, and they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know in my work that's often the case, and yeah. sometimes I think that living with integrity—it's easier for them. They're conditioned to pay a price for their poor choices, and it's mm-hmm. almost like they settle for that, you know. And until, like you were saying, I feel that until they're in enough pain. And they want to make the change because now they just don't feel good about their life.
0: And you yeah. help them do that, right? You help them, Betty.
3: Yeah. You help
0: them move in that direction, right?
3: Yeah, you say, yeah absolutely. I have integrity. Let me show you how it works, right? That's right. A woman, a high self-esteem. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yay. We love that. <laughs> I, just,
3: I just also wanted to,
2: uh, to jump in and say that, I, that I think that if you make a mistake and you act not in integrity, and somebody else is injured. There's always the opportunity to go back and to make that right. And I mm-hmm. think that process of learning and that process of making amends is something that can still elevate your self-esteem, even though you know you may have acted in a way that you don't feel so good about. So I still feel like there's all kinds of uh, ways to to have redemption and to you know and to change things so that you are feeling good about yourself. So I just wanted to mention. Oh, that
0: that I was actually gonna ask that question if I that happens happens to might happen to me I don't know if it will but you know Um, can I can I redeem myself can I truly get back whatever it is that I gave away (laughs) Um, it's just a funny word but you know when you were talking about you were actually talking about self-acceptance I think as one of the elements of self-esteem in in the previous in the previous conversation but yeah can can you can you just do something and then kind of get away with it and forget about it and nobody will notice it. And then you do something else again. And then, you know, does it happen? Does that happen to people too?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But not, but not without consequences. Right. You know, and that's the thing, even if other people don't, Mm. even if we got away with something, did we really, right? Like we know that we did it. Um, there's some impact of it, even if there's not like a public shaming, like we sometimes see happen with public figures and so on. Yeah. So I feel like that the, re- and the word redemption is a really interesting one here, right? Because that can really be part of the process. That's what that's what it is to be accountable for our choices and our behaviors. And sometimes that accountability means that there's repair that needs to be made and ownership mm-hmm. that needs to happen. Is there any
0: is there anything and I can't believe it. We're, we're coming to the end of the road here. Yeah. Is there anything you would like to share with us about it or it any, or anything about self-esteem?
1: <laughs> well well there's yeah, there's one piece I want to mention um which was just where we landed at the end of our book around like after hearing all these stories and then really thinking about and processing how people made the choices they did. We got really curious about just what you were talking about, both like how we ma- how do we make these decisions knowing all this, but then also what do we do after we've made a decision or we've done something that maybe we're not feeling great about. Um, and so we came up with this acronym um change, which like I think, took us a lot of time online to figure out the acronym, but the idea is that um, it stands for, you know, compassion, which we've been talking about, right? Toward yourself and others. Honesty, like, like coming to terms with whatever you've done and your real reasons or motivations for what you've done. So kind of owning it. And then accountability, that's the part we were just talking about with redemption and so on, right? Like you need to own your actions and their consequences. And that's where you can actually gain self-esteem back, even if you're feeling really guilty or shameful or terrible about something you've done, there can be a way to move toward repair, even if all you can do is make different choices in the future. And then also, I feel like the next word is nuance. And I feel like that's something we've been talking about here too, right? Kind of seeing the complexity, seeing the gray areas, since there's really rarely an objective, one right way to do things. And then growth, which we've been talking about, right? Like how can that conflict or discomfort be an opportunity for learning? And then exploration, which is just letting ourselves be curious and approaching life with openness and wonder, you know, and just kind of letting this kind of be a continual cycle. And so the idea here is allowing us to take responsibility for ways we've harmed ourselves and others and to learn and grow from it moving forward. And so that feels like a way that we can continuously build throughout our lives.
0: Can mm. you uh, send that? Can you send that in an email to us? I really, I really like that.
1: <laughs> For sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can use it with our clients and oh yeah, use it with ourselves. I mean, honestly, but the, the, do you have anything, um, ladies, that you want to ask Inga?
3: I love the way you just summed that up because one of the things I was thinking about as you were speaking and we were having the conversation was part of it is about some people that had morals and values that they lived by and then their life changed and the morals and values went right out the window mm-hmm. and that you can, just like you said so nicely, you can redeem yourself. Like mm-hmm. it was mentioned, you can make amends, you can, you know, when when we do the 12-step work and the um fellowship you know we talk about making amends is really not for the other person it's it's great if they accept it but it's really for us because we want to feel better about ourselves
2: yeah yeah yes Uh, i don't have another question but i just wanted to thank you so much dr inga for your thoughtfulness Uh, for re- doing your research on this. I think it's 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 really timely actually right now. <laughs> because I think there's a lot of lack of integrity happening in this country. So oh. I just wanted to thank you so much for casting a spotlight on the issue and for helping us to be more thoughtful in the ways we think about it. And for also giving us the permission to have compassion, self-compassion, compassion for others, because I think that's an integral part of this as well. So So thank you again.
0: Thanks to everyone for being on our show, and thanks to you, our audience. Remember, when someone wants to talk to you about the weather or politics or whatever, you can now say, let's talk about self-esteem.